Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. You know, I once thought that that was true. Maybe it is still true. We're back to what the hell went wrong. I I kind of forgot how to do this show. I'm going to have to get back into the swing of things. A little rusty on how to do the Bills just got run over by a good team on primetime television show. Not good. Not a good game. Not a good game to think about. Not a good game to talk about. Not a good game to watch back. None of it. And I'm not sure anybody really wants to hear me talk about it. You're going to get a little of it because we're still within 24 hours of this game between the Bills and Titans ending. 42 to 16. We will talk plenty of hockey tonight, by the way. There is some interesting and juicy quotes from Vegas Golden Knights owner Bill Foley that I will bring to you in the back half of the show tonight because I think we kind of know what the next season's going to look like for the NHL and for the Buffalo Sabres. I think Foley, with how confidently he seemed to be speaking about some of these details that are being talked about in the league, um, I think we got a good idea of what we might be in store for. So we'll talk about what this NHL season might look like, and we'll talk some Sabres too, because I'm still riding high. we got to have some positive infiltration into this show, don't we? How, who had the Sabres being the team we were going to feel really good about this week? Because that's where we are at. It's not even close, right? I mean, <laughs> Taylor Hall. I still can't believe it. I still cannot believe that Taylor Hall is a Buffalo Saber. Had to get that out. Still great. It's like, you know, for the Sabres, I was doing this a lot. Whenever it felt like there was nothing to feel good about with the Sabres, I just reminded myself for probably a year that it's okay. Guess what? We're getting Royal Blue back. 
We're getting the right color blue back, and I can't wait for that. Kept reminding myself, royal blue, royal blue. Now, I don't have to think about just the uniforms. Taylor Hall. That's it. If you're feeling down about the Sabres, you're feeling down about the Bills, Taylor Hall. It's an easy fix. Last night, though, was brutal. And it has me questioning what this team is. Or at least how confident I am that they can challenge the Kansas City Chiefs to win the AFC. Because isn't that what we are supposed to be talking about? Isn't that what the goal is supposed to be? Where the bar is supposed to be set? Now there is middle ground between what you've been and where you want to get to. Which means the Bills can have a progressive season this year and not achieve that goal of knocking off Kansas City and getting to the Super Bowl. Even though they look like a team that is capable of doing that, I think that if I told you today that the Bills would win their division like they are doing right now, they're up a game and a half on the Patriots, they would win a playoff game, a home playoff game, which they are right now in line to get, and then lose to a Tennessee Titans in the second round. Lose to a Chiefs, lose to a Ravens, lose to a Steelers. After beating someone that's on a lower pedestal in the conference, it would feel like there's unfinished business, no doubt. But many fans and the team itself would probably call that progress. Because progress this year was not also just about the team, it was about Josh Allen taking a big step forward. And nothing last night that Josh Allen did makes me think that that is still not on track. Or still, you know, on track. I mean, use a train reference there. I mean, it's (laughs) he blasted into orbit this season. And last night was a good game from Josh Allen. If you really look into the nitty-gritty of what his game was last night, there was one awful throw. The interception to Malcolm Butler was terrible. He did not see him. It was underthrown to Gabriel Davis in the first place. So honestly, I think if Butler's not just sitting there waiting for it, that probably falls incomplete anyway. One really bad throw, one really bad decision. But that literally happens with every single quarterback. It happens to Mahomes. Mahomes this past week against the Raiders threw a pick six. And it was a bad one. There was a safety coming underneath his wide receiver going over the middle. He completely did not see him. Mahomes let the ball go, and the Raiders ran it in for six. They beat the Chiefs after the Bills controlled them the week before. So everybody's got those moments. And Josh Allen did have one last night. But the rest of the game, 26 for 41, 263 yards, two touchdowns, the Yeldon pass, It's risky, but you got to love it. That's Josh Allen. You got time in the pocket, nobody is wide open, and he's just going to launch a missile between three defenders and try to complete that pass. That's just going to happen. That's Josh Allen. And maybe it's only once every three times, maybe it's once every two times. He's going to complete it. And last night on that TJ Yeldon touchdown, he did it. It was incredibly impressive. There were other throws. There was the rollout to the left, which he had struggled with early in the season. It was the throw that got memed in week one. Allen rolling out to the left, and he misses John Brown by a mile over his head. There was another pass in that jet game, by the way, rolling out to the left. Dawson Knox, open in the end zone, overthrows him. 
That pass, there was there were some bad ones early on. Last night, Josh Allen rolls out to his left. I think it's third down and long, by the way. Maybe it's third and 13. And he delivers a strike on the money right in the hands of Andre Roberts, who makes the catch for the first down, with a defender flying down underneath. That ball needed heat on it, and it needed to be perfectly placed. Allen did it. One of his most impressive throws of the season. He was targeting Stephon Diggs often, and he was connecting with Stephon Diggs often. John Brown's out. What do you want your quarterback to do in that situation? Target your number one wide receiver. 16 targets for Stephon Diggs. 10 catches for 106 yards. He took basically what the defense was giving him. Cole Beasley, same thing. Six catches on six targets for 53 yards. Good connection there. I think Allen and Gabe Davis were a little off last night, but that's going to happen, right? Allen is still not the most consistent quarterback in the world. He is certainly, I mean, he's playing maybe like one this year, but over the course of his career... There's going to be moments, right? Gabe Davis last night, fourth-round rookie, only five catches on nine targets for 58 yards. That's not great. There were a couple balls that were behind Gabriel Davis. There were some other balls that I wanted Gabriel Davis to come down with. What was last night, though, for Josh Allen? Last night was everything around him crumbling. Everything around him wasn't working. The first pass of the game he makes is a perfect pass. It's Andre Roberts coming open over the middle of the field. Allen, I mean, Roberts has to go down for it a little bit, but he doesn't have to dive or anything. He doesn't have to go down on his knees. All he's really got to do is reach down a little bit and make the catch. But because Andre Roberts is not an NFL wide receiver, that's the risk of having him on the field. It's the risk of having him on the team. That ball gets tipped up in the air and it's intercepted. And the game, it just never, you never caught back up after that one moment. And how deflating is that? The game starts, you're on prime time. You're Josh Allen, you make a throw like that. Especially if you're on the sidelines, if you're a Bills player. And that happens, and then they immediately score after to A.J. Brown, and all of a sudden it's 7 nothing because of one mistake. That has to be incredibly deflating. That's not how you want to start a game like that. Real quick, I won't spend too much time on it because I really don't think at the end of the day it matters to the Bills. It did last night, but for the most part, I don't think it matters whether Andre Roberts is on this team or not. And I really think you're splitting hairs to to come on either side of that fence. For me, it's kind of a gimme. It's kind of easy for me. It's very easy to add up the value of what a very good punt returner in the NFL gives you and realize that it's not that far above the replacement level at all. And the risk of having a pure returner on your team in general and not just having some other skilled position player do it and get you replacement level, the risk of that is now I have got a player who would not be in the league at the position he's listed at if it wasn't for the returning. He wouldn't be in the league, but he's out there playing that position because he does something else well. 
That's why you don't keep a returner on your team. Because if you don't keep a returner, a strict returner, he never gets on the field for you as a wide receiver or a running back or a cornerback or whatever position he plays. That's how the game got off to a bad start last night. It was the Bills' decision to keep a strict returner on their team. And you can get a moment like that when you have injuries at the position he's listed at. But Allen, back to Allen. That first pick, not his fault at all. We already went through the second pick. Definitely his fault. By the way, one other quick thing on that play. Watch that interception back. The return is incredible by Malcolm Butler. Allen, I mean, that guy is just... Even little things you would never notice. This guy is just a pure entertainment on the football field. The Titans are about to score a pick six. Like, Butler has ran past the Bills' offensive line. He has ran past Cole Beasley. He has ran past uh, TJ Yeldon. And Cody Ford has charged back. And Josh Allen is there. And Ford pushes Butler to the sidelines a little bit. Butler cuts to the inside. There are two Titans there. One of them, I still I got to figure out who the guy is. So the, 24 on the Titans, who I assume is a safety or a corner. He tries to block Josh Allen, and Josh Allen just ragdoll, like throws him to the side like he's nothing, makes the tackle on Butler, but throws 24 to the side, and 24 goes down right into another Titan player. And that Titan player flips over top of 24, who's now on the ground. Like, Allen's just out there. I mean, he would be playing, maybe, he had to have been playing in the NFL if he wasn't a quarterback. Linebacker, defensive end, tight end, wide receiver. He would have been doing something. That's why I don't really cringe as much anymore when I hear people say, oh, this guy's a football player. Because he really, he's, he's a maniac sometimes with that stuff. But what was last night for him, all in all? It was just pretty darn good. If that's a bad game for Josh Allen, this team is, sky's the limit. And I don't, I don't want to keep saying I don't care what the defense does. Because, of course you do, right? Of course you do to some extent. One, the big hole on this team left is that franchise pass rusher that they do not have. And I'm still confident that Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes can give them... You know, some level of pass rush for the rest of the season. Hold that position over until you can either draft someone in the first round or you can make a big investment somewhere else at that position. So it's not like the defense doesn't matter altogether. But, I mean, were they that bad last night? Were they that bad? I know 42 points. But they held Derrick Henry to less than three yards a carry. They held Ryan Tannehill to under 200 yards. I mean, it probably would have looked worse. And the Bills outgained the Titans, by the way, in total yards. So it probably would have looked worse had the Titans not had a couple of very short fields. Probably would have looked worse because you just watched that game last night and the Bills' defense did not look like they were there. They didn't look like they showed up to play. The numbers tell you they did. But... I don't know. I don't know if I'm just supposed to assume that this isn't a good defense anymore. Because I think some of these games can be misleading. There's a lot of offense in the league early on. And I think what you've proven here is we're five games into the season. And this is part this is in part why you wanted the Bills to 
Make it to the year 2020. Join the modern NFL in how you win. Because Bills fans, look around. All the fans that are out there wanting the Bills to establish the run and play great defense and win in the trenches, right? Kind of a lot of the stuff that Sean McDermott used to talk about early on in his coaching stint here. And what Rex Ryan used to talk about. And what Dick Duran used to talk about. And what Greg Williams used to talk about. Run the football, play great defense, right? Buffalo, we're going to play blue-collar football. The Bills this season can't run. And they haven't really been stopping anybody. Neither of those two things have happened. And they're 4-1. See what a great passing offense can do for you? See what happens when you throw the football 35-plus times a game? You can be a 4-1 and football team who was talked about as a contender in your conference. Even with the running game not getting going and the defense letting up tons of crazy points. That's how important Josh Allen's step was. Or his leap was, I should say. Because a step from Josh Allen this season, you wouldn't have been 4-1. The leap forward is what's got you there. And that is sustainable, and that is, to me, the ultimate question I want to get to here on today's show with the Bills, is after last night, are we still not supposed to think the Bills are a bigger threat to the Chiefs to win the AFC than the Tennessee Titans are? Because I still want to make the case that the Bills are a bigger threat. The Titans will always be tapped out. When they play Kansas City to me. I just... 99 times out of 100, I feel like the Chiefs are winning that football game. I'm exaggerating, of course. They don't have a 99% chance of winning those games. But when the Titans show up to play the Chiefs, I just can't imagine them ever winning an important game in the playoffs against them. Because they've only got one card. They are that team. They're that blue-collar team. They're going to run with Derrick Henry. And they're going to play good defense. That's how they got to the AFC Championship game last year. But when the that game showed up and Patrick Mahomes showed up and you couldn't stop him, you couldn't keep up. And I think right now the Bills have a better chance of keeping up with the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll see what they look like next Monday. But I still believe that the way Josh Allen is playing, they are the biggest threat to Kansas City in the conference. I really like Pittsburgh, and I would have told you before the season, Pittsburgh was that, and they're undefeated. So if you remember me saying that before the year, you might think that I'm you know, being a little inconsistent there. But I, it's, it's not that. It's I'm kind of falling on the, the Steelers. They're undefeated, but they are having trouble against bad teams. So as of now, I want to put the Bills a peg above them, and that's with a big loss to Tennessee last night. It's all about the quarterback play, to me. I think Mahomes is the best quarterback on the planet. I think he's the best quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life. He's playing the, the sport at a higher level than I think has, it has ever been played at. And I think if you look around the conference right now, and if you had to pick one guy to go toe-to-toe with him, and you had to pick one guy that has a chance of outplaying him on a given game, who am I picking other than Josh Allen right now? I mean, I would throw Deshaun Watson into this conversation, but the team stinks, so I can't do that. It, I think it's Josh Allen. It's not old Ben Roethlisberger. 
It's not to me Ryan Tannehill, despite the fact he's been incredible since he became Tennessee's starter. It's not Tannehill, though, to me. And the way Lamar Jackson has started the season, I'm having a tough time picking him. I think Allen gives the Bills a chance to win every single game. And if last night was a bad game for him, that is only furthering the point that that is true. 803-0550 is the phone number. I will get to your calls next. What do you think? Am I crazy? Is it, am I crazy to call the Bills a bigger threat to win the conference than the team that just blew them out last night? Because I'm sitting here doing that. Some hockey on the way as well. Bill Foley, the owner of the Vegas Golden Knights, let it slip today. He let some details slip. I'm guessing Gary Bettman and some other NHL owners are not very happy with him. So we'll get into his comments a little bit as we start to look at what the next Sabres and NHL season will look like and when it will happen. This is the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. Thanks for listening to your calls next here on WGR. We don't have a tally on how many times we want them to run or not run. We want them to make the right decision. So, you know, whether we run an RPO or we run a, a zone read or that entails him taking it and running or a scramble play and making a loose play like he did last night, great. I think he's done a good job of protecting himself in those situations. That's going to help us win? A- absolutely. Bills offensive coordinator Brian Dable. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR to your calls in a moment. I'm going to tally him. I'm not going to listen to the Bills OC there. No disrespect. But got to tally things. Counting. It's the simplest thing. And if you count up Josh Allen's rushing yards, something has changed. Something is different. He fumbled first half against the Jets after 12 carries. Since then, there's been next to nothing rushing-wise. In the last four games, Allen has 44 rushing yards. 44. His last low in a four-game stretch, his previous low in a four-game stretch, was 98 rushing yards. More than double. So, you can't tell me that something hasn't changed. And maybe it just is that he's throwing the ball at a better clip. Because he definitely is. And that absolutely can take some rushing away, right? If you're throwing the ball so well, if you're throwing it so accurately into tight coverage and you feel you could throw guys open on a more consistent basis, those are plays that were once rushing attempts, scrambles. And some of those will go away, but not to the rate that it's been. I mean, it's it's crazy the drop-off in rushing the last four games. So... I would love to see more RPOs. I would love to see more design runs. The Bills did run one QB draw last night, and it worked. He His running is one of the best weapons you have on offense. It's what makes him, in part, a special breed of quarterback. It's not just that he's playing and throwing the way he's throwing. It's that he can run the football like few guys have ever been able to do in league history. And to not be doing that is taking something away from your offense. You want to run the ball better? Start doing it more with Josh Allen and less with TJ Yeldon and Devin Singletary. That's how you run the ball better. And I know that it's your quarterback. And I know someone's going to want to bring up injuries, but it's statistically and factually proven that mobile quarterbacks do not get injured at a higher rate than the normal pocket quarterbacks. And when they do, it usually happens in the pocket, where there are 10 
250 to 350 pound men throwing each other around, and you're in the middle of that all. <laughs> That's the dangerous spot, is it not? So I am all for getting that rushing total and the rushing attempts back up for Josh Allen. And however they can do that is how they should do it. 8030550 is the phone number. The question I went into the last break with is, is it crazy to still consider the Bills a bigger threat to win the conference than the Titans, the team that just blew them out last night? Because I'm still there. I would still pick the Bills to be more likely to beat Kansas City in a playoff game than I would Tennessee. Let's go to Mike. Mike, you are on the nightcap. How's it going? Thank you, but Joe. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I agree with you 100%. Um, the Bills are the team that can punch KC in the mouth. And if, you, if over the years, I'm just going to make three or four quick points and I'll, I'll listen sure. to what you say. Number one, yesterday was just a blip in the radar. Nobody expected the Bills to go 16-0. and You're going to lose some games along the way. And last night was everything that went wrong could have gone wrong. They'll learn from it. They'll move forward. They'll bounce back. Even if they lose to a field goal point game to to KC, I don't think anyone's jumping off the ship. Number two, that play that Allen made to stop Butler on the pick six, that was my favorite point of the night because I just love when he is who he is. I like I, Again, I, I don't want him to see him get hurt, but I like that he, he gives it his all. And three, look at last night's line in the game. It was minus three. And the Titans had so many players out of the lineup, the suspension, the delay. The line was telling you something yesterday that this is going to be a much closer game than everyone thought it was going to be. I chalk it up as a blip in the radar, forget it, move on, learn from it, and the Bills will be better for it. And they've proven that in the past, I think. And I don't think anyone can argue that. Yep. Hey, Mark, Mike, thanks for the call, man. Um, I think uh, I, I'm distracted. It's 15 nothing Dodgers. <laughs> it's the third inning. Apparently they were up 11 nothing in the first. The Dodgers are leading the Braves 15 nothing. Game three of the NLCS. Sounded like, Mike, you were agreeing with me anyway. So, we'll go to Jonathan. Jonathan, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Hey, Joe. Um, I agree with you. I agree with Mike. I think the Bills are better than the Titans to win the AFC. Um, as long as Josh Allen continues to play at an MVP pace, we will be a Super Bowl contender. And I think our defense will get better. I mean, Trey White's out, Matt Milano's out. I don't know if they'll return to what they were last year, but I think as they get healthier, they will get better. I would rather have these problems now and then in January. So I'm hoping that by January, um, Bean yep. and McDermott will fix the problems and of the defense. And who knows? Maybe this will be the even problem in the Super Bowl. Thanks for the call, Jonathan. I just don't know how they do that. I don't know how they fix the problems they have on defense instantly. Because the problem, I still think the main problem they have on defense, well, the main problem. I mean, you might have to qualify Tremaine Edmonds as the main problem on defense right now. And at Oliver. You have got two first-round picks. Their last two first-round picks. That's not true. Yeah, their last two first-round picks. They didn't have one this year. And Tremaine Edmonds and at Oliver. That is the middle of your defense. And neither one are really making an, a huge impact. Now, to be fair, both have dealt with injuries this season. And maybe they're not completely healthy. But... I don't also want to assume that because it's not like they had broken out before. So those two need to play a lot better, and that's just really it. they got to play a lot better. They need to be difference makers on that side of the football. It's time for them to take over the defense the same way that Josh Allen has taken over the offense. 
It's no longer protecting the young quarterback. This is Josh Allen's offense. He runs the show. On defense, you would like at some point for Tremaine Edmonds and Ed Oliver to step up and declare that they're the leaders now of the defense. They're the best two players on that side of the football, next to Tredavious White, who I can't imagine would never not be their best player in defense. So that's one issue. The other main issue I was about to bring up is you don't have an elite pass rusher. You don't have a guy that you could count on for consistent quarterback pressure every single game. You don't. You have two aged guys that, even in their primes, were good. But, you know, like Jerry Hughes, for instance. Jerry Hughes was never an elite pass rusher in football. And to keep counting on him to be the end-all, be-all for your sack production, and I know Mario Addison's there too, so he's not the end-all, be-all anymore, but... For him to be one of the main guys in that, I mean, he hasn't had double-digit sacks in six years. He hasn't had double-digit sacks since Mario Williams was on the team, taking the double teams on the other side. Five, six, four, seven, four and a half, zero. A 32-year-old pass rusher with that kind of production, they should have addressed it more in the offseason. Now we're here, though, and I don't think you're going to be able to say, you, there's no one out there that's better than Jerry Hughes or Mario Addison. Like, if you want to, I'm not going to criticize them if they want to bring in one of those older guys that are on the market still. Cameron Wake, Terrell Suggs, if you can believe it. He was playing last year. He's still a free agent. He's on the list I'm looking at. Like, you could bring in a guy like that, Clay Matthews. You could bring in a veteran pass rusher who's done it in the league and hope that you could squeeze out every last sack of him. But pass something like that, Taking on something like that, I don't see the fix for the pass rush. There's no one at the trade deadline I could think of that might be available that would do it. So I think you just have to hope that Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison play well enough to get you through the rest of the season, and then this team needs to spend a first-round pick on a pass rusher. Or this team needs to go out and get a number one pass rusher, because they need it, and they do not have one for the future. 8030550 is the phone number. I'm going to switch to hockey in the next segment. We've got some comments from Vegas Golden Knights owner Bill Foley on what the next season might look like. So we'll talk some Sabres and what their next season's going to look like right after this on the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. This is WGR. I can't undersell how important the character piece that we felt we needed to bring in into our locker room. Um, having lived it as a player, just the type of people that we were working really hard to bring in here from a day-to-day, being a pro, you know, the Eric Stahl of the world. They do more than just what they do on the ice. There's such an impact from guys like him and Cody Eakin and Taylor Hall off the ice as well, and that to me is a really critical part of all this. Sabres general manager Kevin Adams right there. On Taylor Hall. That was Monday. Find that on demand at WGR550.com. Little hockey talk here because we've got a little news on what the season might look like. And it all comes from Bill Foley. (laughs) All of it. The Vegas Golden Knights owner, while doing an interview in Las Vegas today, gave away a lot of details on what the league is planning for the upcoming season, or at least he talked as though these were the details that the league is considering. I will start. There's like three different things to look at here. The first one is 
This is how it all started. Bill Foley on with Brian Blessing, Vegas goal, Vegas Hockey Hotline, was asked about facing the Canucks and Nate Schmidt, who they just traded to Vancouver. And Foley's response was, quote, yeah, but they're going to be in the Canadian division. <laughs> okay, that led to more questions because, yeah, but they're going to be in the Canadian division. That kind of gives away something, doesn't it? And it's also spoken as though it sounds like a sure thing. We'll see. Canadian division. First, let's let's go through that. Eight teams in Canada, in the NHL, all playing each other because of the issues of crossing the border. As of now, there's basically no crossing the border. I actually looked up the numbers on this. Last month, in September, there were 72,000 trips from U.S. residents across the, to the Canadian border, where then you would have to quarantine for 14 days. 72,000 might sound like a giant number for that, but last September, 2019, it was 2.2 million trips. So, less than a percent, if I'm doing some quick math in my head right there, it's always dangerous, uh, less than a percent of what it used to be. So, you have issues there, because you obviously can't, like, the Sabres can't go to play the Leafs, and they have to show up 15 days before to quarantine, because you're never going to get in a season doing that, obviously. You could, of course, have the Canadian teams play the American teams at some point in the playoffs, and I think, like, a weighted playoff format, maybe, just for this season. Maybe you have, um, maybe you have an eight-team, or if you do a 16 team format for the playoffs uh, then maybe four of the eight of the Canadian division or three of the eight make it it'd have to be four it'd be half um, like that's doable you go into the bubble for the playoffs or they just come across the border for the playoffs something like that so you can work on that that's the first thing Canadian division two Bill Foley quote We've got to be done with our season sometime around the end of June because NBC has the Olympics. I think it's less than 60 games. All right? Shorter season. That one to me is not surprising at all. That was inevitable. Completely inevitable. You cannot get back to your normal calendar of a season where you start in October and end in June. You were never getting back to that unless... You had a shortened season at some point. And, of course, you would expect that to be this next season. So, they're going to start late and they're going to end early. Or they're going to end on time. Which adds up. 50 to 60 games is maybe what we're looking at. He also says, when asked about keeping Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard on the same team, he says, quote, if we're going to play 56 games over four months... That's a lot of games. There's not going to be a break. There's going to be a lot of back-to-backs. In theory, we're going to play four games a week to get this season done. Maybe even more. Five games a week. Said Foley. So, he's going into some pretty deep detail there. On 56 games. Sounds like a, that's a pretty, it's a pretty specific number. Feels like one he's probably heard before. Maybe in a league meeting. 56 games. Played from sometime in January, maybe even February 1st. I think he does mention February 1st at some point um, as a potential start date to June. You may be asking, by the way, because I saw some people tweeting at me about this. 
you might be thinking, hey, shorter season, it's good for the Sabres, right? They got the hot starts each of the last two years. Fewer games, better chance of making the playoffs. Nah. The Sabres have not been in a playoff spot at the 60-game mark since 2010. Ten years. And yes, that is longer than the playoff drought. Because 2011, they made that furious charge at the end of the season. Um, So they have not been in a playoff spot at the 60-game mark since in a decade. So I don't really think it makes all that big a difference. Uh, There was one other quote from Foley. I don't think they are going to... This is a different quote on the Canadian division. I think they are going to be playing a Canadian division. I don't think they are going to be crossing the border. Who knows if we are even going to play. If we aren't playing in front of fans, a lot of teams can't make it. Now, what I think he's referring to the Canadian division there, but I don't really know. That quote is what what piqued my interest the most. Who knows if we are even going to play. If we aren't playing in front of fans, a lot of teams can't make it. And I immediately thought of the Sabres. I immediately thought of the Sabres. Because there is... At least questions, they were kind of thrown to the wayside by the Pagulas, but there were questions earlier in the pandemic about what their financial situation was. And they were forthcoming, they were honest, they said, yeah, of course we're hurting on the the natural gas and oil business, but who isn't in that business? And they poo-pooed any idea that there were money problems. And, I mean, if you look at the way... They're spending money with the Bills, and they're starting to more with the Sabres now. Taylor Hall, eight year, $8 million. They're going to be a cap team, it seems like, at this point. They're at least on track to if they sign their RFAs. So they're spending money to the cap for players. But the one quote I, I have here from Pagula, that, from Terry Pagula, that makes me wonder about, hey, if there were any teams that didn't play this season, upcoming season, because of there not being fans, would it be here? And I hope not. But the one quote I wanted to give you was from Terry Pagula on June 18th. We need to do better moving forward in the sports business. Every team has to do it because if we don't have any fans in the seats next year, what are your economics in the world of sports? We need that component, especially in the National Hockey League. Just thought that was worth mentioning. But, hopefully, this will all get forgotten. That will be a moot point. We'll not even think about it, and we'll see the Sabres playing sometime soon. It will be, two. today is 219 days since they last took the ice. Since Rasmus Dahlin won it in a shootout against the Washington Capitals. It's been that long. So, hopefully that happens soon. Um, I am out of here, though. That is it for me tonight. Thanks, everybody, for listening. No Thursday Night Football tomorrow night. So I won't be bridging you into anything, but I'll be back tomorrow at 7 o'clock. And then Friday as well. Start to preview the Bills and the Chiefs, which is next Monday. So until then, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks everyone that called in. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Spend the nightcap with Joe DiBiase. This is WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.